Test, test, test. Amen, amen. Glad to be back in the house of God, church. How you been doing? Amen, amen. Get myself situated here. And so um, it's a privilege to uh, be with you all this afternoon. Again, uh, uh, don't count it likely the opportunity to minister um, this evening. If you have your Bibles, if you could turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 26, 31 through 35. We are dropped down in that chapter, uh, verses 69 through 75. Matthew 26, 31 through 35. Then we are dropped down to uh, uh, 69 through 75. Amen. How many have been having a great week? Amen. Always good to hear that. I came across a story that was entitled, The $20 Million Mistake. I mean, that's a big mistake before I even say anything, right? $20 million mistake. Uh, Erwin McManus shares the story of Mark Floyd, a businessman who uh, convinced investors to place $20 million in an investment that ultimately failed. Uh, instead of crawling into a cave, as many of, of us probably would have felt compelled to do, Floyd not only faced his investors and gave them bad news that he made a horrible business deal that cost the company $20 million, but he had the audacity to ask them for more money for a different venue. He believed that, as is, uh, that he deemed as can't miss. Surprisingly, they said yes. He had a different idea, a better idea, an idea that couldn't be missed in his mind. All they would need to do is trust him and his new idea, and he would not only return them all the money that was lost, but they would also reap the benefits of a new endeavor. Uh, this second idea was a digital subscriber line, which dealt with fiber optics and communication systems and other techie stuff. And the story goes on, not only did these uh, investors regain the millions that they lost, but they walked away with the unimaginable wealth. And so here it is, this guy, he cost the company $20 million. And then as the story says, he has the audacity to go back and say, hey, give me another shot. And they do. And, you know, here it is, you know, it, it pans out that, you know, uh, this guy uh, not only uh, give the company the money back, but he doubled and went on to be a successful company. And, you know, the journalist has said that, you know, it might have been him. He probably would have set himself on fire or been like Nero and played the violin and watched the city of Rome burn down. He said that Mark did the unexpected. He went back to those investors and faced them. And that by itself took immense amount of integrity and courage to require them to give him more money. But most of all, it showed the resiliency and character and willingness of an individual determined not to be outdoored and defeated by his failure. Tonight I want to preach a sermon I've entitled Surviving Your Failures Tonight. Continuing on in our Keeping Our Heart Right series, I want to talk about the idea of conquering our failures. How many failed before? How many believe you're going to fail again? Hallelujah. Amen. We've got some honest folks in here tonight. And I believe uh, that this is a timely message tonight in regards to uh, this subject. Uh, 
Because I believe no one escapes this realm of failure. We've all fallen short of the glory of the God of God. But the question is, uh, will you and I be able to survive our failures tonight? And I want to, uh, you know, begin to look at this. Because, see, if we're going to have a shot at surviving many failures that come with life, then I believe it's going to be essential to how a person keeps their heart right concerning them. I want to look at a man's life who knows all well about failure as well as the triumph of overcoming them. I want to look at the life of Peter this evening. In our text, the Bible says, And Jesus said to them, All of you will be, will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. And Peter answered and said to him, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Jesus said to him, Surely I say to you that this night before the rooster crows that you will deny me three times. And Peter said to him, Even if I have died to die with you, I will, deny, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. Dropping down to verse 36, 75. Now Peter sat outside the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him, saying, You also were with Jesus of Galilee, but he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you're saying. And we had gone out the gateway. Another girl saw him and said to those who were there, This fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again, he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, Surely... You also are one of them, for your speech betrays you. Then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the word of Jesus, who had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you would deny me three times. So he went out and, and wept bitterly. Let us pray tonight, church. God, I ask God right now. Um, God, as you help us through this series of keeping our heart right, God, I ask God you would help us. Um, to uh, have an understanding, God, of failures, God, will come and will happen. But, God, I ask, God, you would help us to keep our heart right, God, uh, concerning our past, concerning things, God, that we fell short in, uh, even in our relationship with you. God, I ask, God, you will help us, God, uh, comfort us tonight. I pray you'll give hope to the brokenhearted in this area. And all uh, God's people said, amen and amen. I want to first look at the reality of failure tonight. The definition of failure is the lack of success when someone does not do something expected. Situation where something stops working correctly. And I believe keeping our hearts right during these uh, times of failure is simply us just understanding then that failures are going to happen. How many of failure is a reality that will indeed happen? It's not escapable, uh, you know, and, and you begin to look at the life of Peter a man who, looked, who knew all about failure, the Bible says, is there. He's been a, a Christ anchored, you know, uh, Peter. You know anything about Peter? He's that boisterous disciple, uh, always ready to step up in battle. And here it is. Jesus, amen, we know the story. He's on his way, uh, you know, to, to be uh, crucified. He's there in the courtyard, and as Jesus spoke, uh, he denies Jesus. How many know if that was a personal failure? Only can imagine how Peter felt, you know, the Bible says that, you know, it's almost like when he was uh, uh, lying uh, or denying God at that moment, it didn't click. And in time, uh, on the third one, uh, the Bible says he remembered. 
See, failure will happen, church. We won't escape it. Why? Because how many know uh, we are all human and flawed and imperfect people? In our text, again, the Bible says he denied uh, knowing Jesus. You know, what's interesting about uh, Peter's failure in denying God was the fact that he didn't deny God because he didn't love God. He didn't didn't deny God because uh, he didn't love God. How many know Peter loved God? In fact, uh, you know, uh, uh, John 21, 15 says, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, he said, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, then feed my lambs. And so Peter's failure had nothing to do uh, with him not loving God. Peter's failure of denying Jesus wasn't that um, he was some fearful guy. Again, we're talking about um, a man uh, who was the first uh, out of the disciples to step out of the boat. He's that same man that drew a sword and cut a man's ear off. Peter is the same man that Christian history says later on was crucified upside down for the gospel. In other words, Peter was no punk. Uh, whatnot. And so God, he didn't fail uh, because he uh, didn't love God. Uh, he didn't uh, embrace failure because uh, of any of these things. Um, Peter's failure of denying God was a result of being human whose fear overcame him at the moment. That's why he fail, his failure became, not because he didn't love God, not because he wasn't bold, because he was human. And in that moment, his fear overcame him. Can I tell you that can happen to any one of us? That any given moment, you can be uh, y'all saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, whatever the case may be. And in a moment, failure can come. You know, failure happens because we're all people that are limited. How many believe that, church? This means that we got to cut off points tonight, church. Our abilities uh, come to a point where they become maxed out. Therefore, we're bound to fail. The word of God said, uh, most as, uh, as surely I say to you that night before the rooster crows, uh, you would deny me three times. Again, Jesus knew that Peter would fail uh, in what he thought uh, was his strong area of, of courage and boldness. Think about this. Peter's failure was, was actually his strength. The fact that he's known for being bold. He's known uh, for, you know, uh, being courageous. Yet, uh, at that moment in time, it was a failure. You know, through this Solomon warning, Jesus gave Peter an opportunity to take heed to consider his own weakness. Jesus uh, said it so clearly to Peter. Peter, you would be made to stumble. You will forsake me, your master. You would do it uh, this very night before the rooster crows. Uh, you would deny that you had any association with me. It's almost like, again, he, he was saying, uh, uh, he was, he, he, he was saying uh, the warning wasn't enough. Not to trust in his own strength, but to depend on God. And see, it was an opportunity that Peter did not use. Instead, he said, if I have to die with you, I would not deny you. See, Jesus knew Peter far better than Peter did. Come on, somebody. And in overestimating himself, Peter was ready for failure. See, failure happens, church, because it's just simply a part of life. It's just simply a part of life. And so what does this mean for us tonight? In other words, uh, uh, us understanding that failure will happen because you and I are imperfect. uh, Or that failure will happen because it's a part of life. Uh, You and I understanding this and having and grasp this, uh, I help you in times when failure comes. This is why this is important. 
And see, part of keeping your heart right when, you're, when, you, when, you, when, you're, when failures happen is simply you understanding that they happen. How many know we've all had, have failed, church? Failure has visited and come to some of the greatest men in all of the Bible. In some cases, their failures were so extreme, it would be natural to say that God would have a right to turn his back on them. See, I draw strength from God's word where it tells the stories of heroes of faith that have blown it, but triumph in the end. Such men like King David. It is easy to be inspired by his youthfulness, willingness to fight Goliath. His tender friendship with Jonathan, his worshipful psalms, and his enduring patience under the wicked king Saul. Yet, he was also a man of many failures. David covered his Uriah's wife Bathsheba and Bathsheba and c- committed adultery with her, effectively stealing her f- from Uriah after lying to him and eventually having him murdered. You begin to think about the prophet Elijah had failures when he had his breakdown. Elijah had so many miraculous experiences, you would think that he, he had unshakable faith. After all, uh, he caused the rain to stop for more than three years, uh, yet a simple threat uh, of an email from a wicked woman paused him. He couldn't take it. The pressure of being such a high-profile prophet of God had gotten Elijah, and he, uh, you know, hightailed into the wilderness. Begin to think about John Mark. How he must have felt like a failure when he was rejected by Paul because he had abandoned him on the previous mission trip. You see, failure, church, has happened to some of the greatest men in the Bible. How many know failure will occur in our life? Can you say amen? See, if we're honest, we've all failed somewhere. Whether that was in a decision that we made or that. How many know we, there's decisions that we made yesterday and last week uh, that we're still paying the price today for? That we still are paying the price, whether that's physical or whether that's mental capacity. Uh, there's decision that's been made. Yes, you're forgiven. Uh, yes, you're covered by the blood, but you still got to go through that decision. Decisions. Various different uh, things happen in our life. Uh, maybe there's expectations you wanted to meet uh, and fell short of. Uh. See, how many know although failure happens, uh, how many know you and I still can't be afraid to fail? Yeah. I'm going to say that again. I said all that to say this. Yes, failures will happen. They will come. Uh, but you and I as Christians, as believers, uh, cannot uh, be afraid to fail. Let's talk about why. There's many reasons why people are afraid to to fail. We know this. Sometimes it's a person's upbringing. Parents might have been too critical on their children's actions. Perhaps they were never supported of their dreams and passions. And see, those experiences follow us into adulthood, causing fear of all sorts of mistakes that they could possibly make in the present some people experience tra- tra- traumatic events. Some traumatic events scar people for life, causing folks to avoid any situation that reminds them of those incidents. Such experiences can make people wary of trying new things or settling long-term goals. But even if these things are, 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 are reasons, are in the same reason, this is why you and I still can't be afraid to fail, church. Again, you know what I mean? No failure has produced some of the greatest innovators the world's ever seen. 
When you begin to think about failure, because we, you know, we can fail at something, we can say, you know, it's a bomber and I get it. Uh, but listen, failure has produced some of the greatest uh, inventions of all time. You know, I've been flying on, on, on these airplanes as of late, and I'll tell you, man, every time you, it ain't, you know, if you ain't did something in a while, it's like it's kind of cool, but now it's kind of just scary. So I'm just always in the air, man. I'm just like, this is crazy. I'm on this airplane, man. That you know, especially when it's something you can't control. You're just looking down and different things. I'm thinking about the Wright brothers. Do you know they failed a lot of times? We know Thomas Edison in the whole situation with the light bulb, all these inventions. Uh, but what I'm saying, church, uh, if these men uh, were, were, you know, were, was afraid to fail, uh, then you and I wouldn't have the lights on tonight. Things that we enjoy, uh, if these men uh, had a fear of just failing, there's a lot of different things that you and I wouldn't even experience. See, the reality is if you're always afraid to fail to something, then you'll never be willing to take a risk at nothing. You will never understand the phrase of no risk, no reward. Many believers are paralyzed by the fear of failure to the point that they're scared uh, to, to death to take any risk. They dare not to do something different, scared of what the outcome might be or what somebody say. You're already having failure in your mind before you try. Failure has held so many Christians captive and almost dared them to step outside their familiarity. It's created a comfort zone for many Christians. Any new idea that God possibly uh, might be trying to link in your heart that gets blotted out because of the fear of failing. In their mind, their thoughts of fear and failing, uh, it's almost like, you know, failure uh, pays rent in people's mind. And see, what happens if you're not careful, church? Again, I'm not telling you to purposely fail, uh, but what I'm telling you uh, uh, tonight uh, is that you can't be scared uh, to fail. Because see, what can happen is this mentality and attitude of being afraid to fail begins to create in many Christians' hearts on what I call safe mode Christianity. A lot of Christians are in safe mode. You know, many uh, kids that got these games or, you know, these PlayStation games, there's this, you know, part of that is called safe mode. And this ideal is the fact that, you know, uh, this is, you know, where it can't probably possibly get any harm or, or maybe there's no uh, viruses that can get on whatever. And it's a locked in as safe mode. In other words, it's protected. That's the lives and mindset of many believers. You're so scared to fail at anything. Uh, you know, again, no risk, no reward. So now you've locked yourself huh, in safe mode. How many of the devil loves Christians that are in safe mode? Because if you're in safe mode, you won't ever step out of the boat. There are Christians that are dare again uh, not to try something new. These are the believers that dare not to think of a new idea or even act on what God may be giving them out of, again, fear of failure so they don't pursue. You see, when you're afraid to fail, safe mode kicks in and causes you to already fail first in your mind. Again, like in results, you're not even trying, church. See, the safe mode mentality out of fear of failing becomes very deceptive because in hindsight, while you think you're being reserved and cautious, the reality you're just limiting yourself and limiting what God wants to do. How many believe this? 
and know that as we read the Bible, Christianity as a whole wouldn't ever survive if, uh, uh, if the early church was in safe mode and never took any risk. You begin to think about the early church and what they had to go through, all the risks they took on a daily basis. Uh, if they were scared to fail, this is a different Bible. We read a different script. They never took risks. If Jesus himself would have, would have been on safe mode with fear of failure, how many know he would have never preached in the synagogue? Despite the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees' desire and attempt to kill, to kill him. If Paul would have subscribed to this safe mode mindset of failure and fear, how many know he would have never been able to stand in Macedonia in the threshold of Mars Hills and preach the gospel to all the Greek philosophers, all the unbelievers? You begin to read that. I mean, that was some bold stuff. He's there on Mars Hill. He's proclaiming the gospel. You in safe mode tonight. Again, if the early Christians after the besiege of Jerusalem in 70 AD by the Romans would have just ran in the wilderness in their caves and never came back out. And the message of the cross wouldn't have been spread to the four corners of the earth, church. See, church, are you bound and locked in safe mode because of the fear of failing? Are you afraid and locked in safe mode when it comes areas of evangelism can God raise you up to start a new band or, or write some music or, or that idea as such you think about it is get supported because I don't know how it's going to turn out can God raise up new ideas that you can be useful and tactful to advance the kingdom of God or do you just pass your idea on to somebody else brother this would be good if you tried this out right take this to pastor right here Oh, yeah. It's almost like you're a ghostwriter for other people's talents. No, God spoke to you, sir or ma'am. You about that ministry. You about making them those songs. You about, uh, you know, getting creative. But the fear of failure has us locked exactly where the devil wants us tonight. But I'll tell you what, church, I, I refuse for the, God, for the enemy to keep me in safe mode. Fail or failure. What if I don't? And what if I do? I know failure is, a, as it says, is made for a comeback. But see, with that said, part of keeping our hearts right involving failure is you and I being able to handle failures properly. I want to look secondly at handling our failures. Because many times, if we can do this one or two ways, so we can handle failures wrong or we can handle them Right. See, the problem that comes to many people isn't the fact that, that they uh, have failed. Uh, the problem comes from how people handle their failures. Do you hear me? The problem ain't the fact that something that we fail is how we handle failure. People handle their failures wrong uh, because of the condemnation and guilt that they build up. People's inability to forgive themselves or to accept forgiveness from God uh, become a casualty to people. I talk to people, I mean, you guys know I'm talking folks and, I'm out and, and countless of people that I'm witnessing to uh, say this very thing uh, that they feel like they cannot be forgiven because of their failures. I can't tell you countless of times that, I, that, that I'm getting that from people when witnessing to them. This is a real thing tonight. 
People handle failures wrong uh, many times because they act uh, impulsively. In other words, people respond to their failures without even a forethought. Especially when we don't make time for prayer and reading the word of God. Just act on impulse. Respond to failure wrong. This is when failure has occurred. How many know we don't need to respond impulsively, church? See, it's not always possible to right the wrong, uh, but it's almost always possible to make things worse. Many times people simply just give up on things uh, when there's been some type of failure. See, church, we don't have to handle our failures wrong, uh, but instead we can keep a right heart uh, when failure does come, amen, and process things right. See, it's important to handle our failures right so that we can prevent negative emotions such as anger and embarrassment and anxiety from having a lasting effect on ourselves as well as others. See, these emotions can affect relationships and decisions, making it a challenge to overcome failure and progress. When experiencing a failure, you have to alter your perspective to not only avoid future missteps, but also to recognize, like I said earlier, that failure happens. But having an attitude that they don't have to define you. That's the key. Your failures uh, this evening uh, don't have to define you. Don't have to be uh, the rest of your story, if you will. And see, with that mentality, I mean, you can better process your feelings to overcome failures tonight. This is how we keep our hearts right with failures. See, handling failures are right comes with the understanding uh, that we all develop gradually and that failure isn't always uh, uh, that, you know, that, that we can't cut it or can't uh, achieve something. See, your failures and shortcomings don't disqualify you, but giving up when you have failed does. That's the thing. Your failure doesn't disqualify you. Your unwillingness to get back up and try again does. See, even in the case of Peter's failure, doesn't, uh, doesn't quali- quali- didn't disqualify him. Even, uh, you know, if you've been following Jesus for some time. See, this is critical, church. For saints to, to know that have been, been serving Jesus for some time, that you know uh, the, the more a person serving love Jesus, the more you fall in love with him. And see, sometimes when there's a failure, especially in high regard, the enemy has a way of making Christians feeling that they've been disqualified, like they cannot be used again, like they can't be trusted in ministry again. How many know this couldn't be far from the truth? Lastly, I want to look at the last word. The last word tonight. Church, can you keep a secret tonight? Here you go. Your failures don't have to have the last word in your life. I'm going to repeat that. That's for somebody tonight. Your failures, your shortcomings, uh, your mistakes, uh, again, all of these different things that the enemy, uh, you know, how he, how he loves that. Put this thing right back in your face. But see, uh, the reality is these things do not have to have the last word in our lives. You know, in all the Bible, I can't think of two other people that have denied Jesus on a more personal level than Peter and Judas. I want you to watch this tonight. Then Peter and Judas. In Judas' account, the Bible says that Jesus alludes to one of the disciples betraying him uh, during the Last Supper. 
It would, uh, uh, one would believe that if, that if our, all the disciples, it was Judas himself that, that had to know uh, that it was him. In fact, the Bible says that all of the disciples said, uh, is it I, you know, on one accord. And then later on, uh, Judas has this uh, separate uh, uh, conversation with uh, Jesus and said, is it I? He knew it was him. He knew it was I. Judas himself had to know, uh, you know, that he was going to do this considering that uh, he was already a thief. It's kind of like someone asking a question in a room full of people, you know, uh, you know, somebody say, who farted? And the person who farted didn't say nothing. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Been on the elevators, my fast guys. Like, who passed you talking about? That's, how, that's, how the pitch, that's, that's the situation right here. Judas didn't know he was Steve. He knew his heart was bad. The Bible says the Roman soldiers are coming to arrest Jesus. And here it is. The Bible says he betrays Jesus with a kiss. In our text, watch this going somewhere. Peter denies Jesus to his face. Not one time, church, not two times. But Peter denies his relationship with Jesus three times. Peter's sin of denying his association with Jesus grew worse with each denial. Think about that. First, uh, he merely just lied. Second, he took an oath to lie. Third, uh, he began to curse and swear. Each lie elevated. To add salt to the wound, Jesus basically prophesied to Peter prior to, hey, you was going to do this. But see, what's the difference tonight? What's the difference between Judas' failure and Peter's failure? The difference is how one person allowed their failure to get the last word and how the other person didn't allow their failure to get the last word. You begin to think about Judas, you know his end uh, uh, tonight. Judas' failures allowed remorse uh, in his life but no repentance to get the last word in his life. Judas chose condemnation, guilt, and disgrace uh, to get the last word uh, that led him to hanging himself, but apparently uh, had a failed attempt uh, even at hanging himself. Because the Bible says that, you know, uh, the impact from falling, uh, you know, his guts and everything came on the ground. He ultimately allowed death and shame to have the last words in his life. But when you begin to consider Peter's life, and despite his failures, church, in spite of all his setbacks, uh, how many know we see something different uh, getting the last words in Peter's life? See, Peter's failures consist of God having the last words. Can you say amen? Peter is the first of the 12 uh, that Jesus appeared to. He restores Peter in a touching moment on the Sea of Galilee. Peter goes on to become the leader of the disciples, uh, preaching the first evangel evangelistic message, uh, which in more than 3,000 people get saved. I mean, though Peter chose grace and love and forgiveness and redemption to have the last words. And can I tell you, church, that can be us tonight. That we don't have to have the same outcome as Judas. The fact that, yes, we've all fell short. Uh, we all have had failures, amen. Uh, but listen, uh, it don't have to be a negative perspective that gets that last word in our lives. It can be just like Peter. How many know, God, again, God is gracious, church. God wants to forgive. Uh, God oh, wants to, uh, you know, to redeem us. He knows uh, that we're imperfect people, but do you know that? 
Oh, only if Judas uh, would have just was, you know, uh, more repentful than just sorrowful. There's a difference. You better know it tonight. Because you could be very well uh, upset or feel like I failed Jesus. Maybe perhaps in your relationship uh, you violated that, uh, you know, that trust with God. Uh, and in your mind, uh, you know, uh, you're sorry, but you're really just sorrowful and not repentful. You see, the end of Judas was all a tragedy because there was no real repentance, just sorrowfulness. That's a lot of believers. You cannot overcome your failures, uh, you know, because uh, maybe you perhaps tonight, uh, you're not so repentful, uh, but you're just sorrowful. You see, the Bible says Jesus, uh, Peter was repentful. He wept bitterly uh, when that rooster crowed. Uh, there was a sense of repentance, uh, and we see the evidence of all the things that God able to use uh, Peter again. Uh, can I tell you, that's God for us in our faith. He wants to use you again. He can use you again. Will you allow him, though? What's going to get the last word tonight? See, likewise, church, uh, again, we, t we, can, uh, we, we too can have the last word. See, this is what it means to keep your heart right regarding failures. See, the point is, church, you and I have a choice and a responsibility of what gets the last word in our life. Will it be failures and shortcomings uh, that take you to your grave? Or will it be failures uh, that you continue to allow wreak havoc in your life and mind? You know, many times people are POWs, prisoners of war in their own mind because of their failures. Oh, beloved, there's a better way. Can you say amen? How many know, that, again, that Christ's forgiveness and Christ's love and our faith and hope in him can fix our broken past and failures tonight, church. Because we serve a God that can make our bad, cho our bad choices uh, good decisions. Can you say amen? We serve a God that can put together all the things we broke uh, because, as I always say, he is the master mechanic. We serve a God in heaven that, that has a plan of redemption for every person who has any type of failure if they have put their trust in God. And see, it's because of these truths that I've spoken that we don't have to have an ending like Judas Church and allow death and failure to take precedence. How I many don't allow Satan to use people to get the last word in your life? And see, if we can do this, I believe it's here, church, that we can keep our heart right with God in the midst of our failures. See, how I many know our failures? I close with this. Our failures, your failures, my failures have the ability to bring glory to God. Listen, allow God to get the glory out of your story, church. How many know this is what personifies our failures? That yes, we fail, yes, we fall short, but if we repent uh, and, and have a change of heart and mind towards the things of God, it is through your failures uh, that God gets the glory that all can see. How many believe that your story to bring him glory is still being written tonight? Do we serve a God who's able to take our defeats and missteps and use us to bring glory to his name? Close with this story. A million, a guy named Tom Watson Sr. is a, is a man who found IBM. You can imagine the money, uh, the investments, the experiments and that this man and his multi-billion dollar company have made through the years. 
He said, once years ago when a million dollars was still a million dollars, Watson had a top junior executive who spent $12 million on the company's money on a venture that failed. The executive put his resignation in on Watson's desk saying, I'm sure that you want my resignation since I messed everything up. Watson roared back and said, no, I don't. I don't want your resignation. I've just spent $12 million educating you. It's time that you get back out there and work. Here it is. This man says, no, I'm not going to fire you. I've invested uh, way too much to fire you. Instead, he says, it's about time you go back out there and work and make it happen. How many know in many ways uh, this is a lot like God who wants to reuse us again after a failure? Now, God's not done away, but see, the enemy will have you to turn it in. It's like this man. Have you to turn it in. God, I messed up. Listen, failures is all about getting back out there. It's about your willingness to bounce back. See, in many ways, church, our relationship with failure either unlocks our full potential or keep us from ever realizing it. One of two things. Either our failures either unlock our full potential or keep us from ever realizing it. Tonight, church, I encourage you, Be encouraged. Don't allow the enemy to hold your failures of yesterday, today, or tomorrow over your head. Because if you're repentful, you will trust God. It is here where you and I can survive our failures. Can I have every head bowed, every eye closed? In respect to 